Systematic Saturday, your favorite day. Stay with us. Saturday. What are we doing today, Nick? So um, I thought we would do a little uh, eschatology today. Oh, and um, yeah. So I thought you know we'd uh, have a quick look at pre-tribulational dispensational premillennialism. Oh, good, good. My favorite kind. Just uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I say that ten times twice. Pre-tribulational <laughs> dispensational premillennialism. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's a cracker. Uh, it's, it's a big one. Um, and, you know, it's even worse than that, trying to map out that Larkin diagram 10 times fast. Larkin. That, the Larkin. Um, all right. So why do we want to do this, though? I mean, there are good so, I mean, out there. When it comes to eschatology, we're in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and the most prevalent and popular view is generally the dispensational, premillennial, and usually a pre-tribulational version of that. Mm-hmm. Due to study Bibles, radio, TV personalities, mm-hmm. books, films, the default view is dispensational. So to be a conservative, Bible-believing Christian usually means you take Genesis literally mm-hmm. and you take Revelation literally, and that's what makes you a true Christian and not a liberal. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so it's, it's the fundamentalist view. And we've been sort of, I think one of the things as well is that <laughs> even though there have been a lot of developments in dispensational thinking, good developments, you know, leading even to guys like Daryl Buck now and progressive dispensationalism and some are even yes. calling it progressive covenantalism, um, <laughs> you know, which uh, is very, very close to where we're at. Anyway, I'm thinking of um, Gentry's uh, recent book, Kingdom Through Covenants. And, um, you know, you've got uh, so many books now that, that are so closely aligned and are so far away from that original dispensationalism, but that, um, you know, the, the, the brand or flavor of dispensationalism that's been left behind mm. here, uh, excuse the pun, left behind. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is part of, you know, it's, it's this ground swell, um, folk dispensationalism that, that is from the yesteryear, yeah. so to speak. Dispensationalism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what what some have exactly. called classical Schofield in or, or uh, even Darby in at some points. You know, we've got a lot of closed brethrenism. Uh, we've got a lot of, uh, and even as you said, it's kind of a, uh, it was, I mean, New Zealand is also very, very liberal. And, you know, all the mainline denominations are, are pretty much gone on liberalism. And then it, what, it, what, if it's not liberal, it's basically charismatic. And when it's charismatic, it's crazy charismatic so these poor guys have just had to like yeah. hide in their dunker bunkers with dispensationalism you know and um and well, it's, it's interesting that bethel is is anti-dispensational yeah yeah well because because they're postmal because they're triumphalistic right. because they see the kingdom coming in yeah and the whole world becoming christian I, you know it's funny though i i because re- every every charismatic was speaking like that back in the day, you know, it was all about the kingdom advancing through business and post, they were all post-millennial without knowing it. And, um, and yeah. I wondered how long it would take for the penny to drop before they actually started going against dispensationalism, because, you know, they would not only that, but I mean, even dispensational theology as a, it sets the dispensation up to not allow for the spiritual gifts. You know, it's, it sort of cancels the possibility of there being a charismatic movement. And, um, yeah. And, and yet it, 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 there was this weird thing going on at one point where they were, you know, saying things that were post-millennial and transformationalist <clears throat> to the core. And yet they were somehow hooked on 
you know, Tim LaHaye left behind. And, um, and, you know, I suppose that's a testament to the fact that the charismatic movement was a bit discombobulated and didn't really have its oh, system yes. down and could just pick and choose whatever it wanted. But, you know, eventually it's got to figure stuff out. And so, I don't know, it, it kind of at least is, uh, there's some coherence there that they would reject. I was uh, part of a house, house church movement. Yeah. And uh, one of the things you did, one of the things that the, the guy did was, you, you know, you have a, an alternate translation, you know, mm. to bring out the spirit of the, of the words, mm-hmm. you know. And so the Derby translation was very popular right? because, it, you know, it, <clears throat> it gave all these alternate translations to you know, give you the freshness of the meaning. And, yes. and uh, this guy was hugely, this home church guy was hugely into revival. Anyway, I picked up the, the doggy the Derby Bible that he had bought, it had a nice zip on the outside, sweet leather cover. Oh, totally. And it came with a whole bunch of little leaflets stuck inside. Mm-hmm. So I had a little uh, flap through the leaflets, and one of the leaflets said, there is going to be no revival because of the tribulation. <laughs> <clears throat> so I said to this guy, well, do you know this guy doesn't believe in revival? Because yeah. he believes that, you know, the tribulation, things are going to get worse, not better. Yeah. He's like, What? What? <laughs> no. Like I'd ruined his whole new Bible for him yeah. because <laughs> it come from this tainted source. I remember yeah. this guy coming along and um, doing this thing on Abraham Kuyper. You know who? Who? Um, he was. He was obviously some charismatic, well, charismatic leaning Sam Storms kind of figure. He was super scholarly into you know Dutch theology and Abraham yeah. Kuyper, and they somehow managed to get him. He obviously just went and spoke wherever they would put a conference on. But, you know, very, very intense, awesome theology going on uh, from from a Kuyperian perspective anyway. I wouldn't really buy in now as a Two Kingdoms guy, but, you know, it was better than a lot that was going on anyway. Um, and, and you could see everyone was just gobsmacked by it. You know, they were like, wow, this is basically what we're trying to do as the charismatic movement. And I remember thinking it's yeah. so ironic that they, there's this whole like history of the church that they don't know about, you know, as they're trying to do what they're doing. And uh, yeah, anyway, so all to say um, that, yeah, the post-millennial thing seems to, uh, it feels like a sane move, you know, from the charismatic <laughs> side. Um, <clears throat> the, you know, the other thing, just, just going forward here with this, is just to, to put a little caveat on this, that, you know, in terms of us wanting to kind of talk through dispensationalism, uh, we're not we're not um, denying that that there are many different, um, well, even, I, what am I trying to say? I mean, like, you've got modern-day dispensational schools and scholarly systems that are that really don't like the old dispensationalism anymore, you know, and, and they themselves w- would think of it as yeah. just completely broken. And so, you know, by, by dissing this, we're not dissing the whole, uh, thing necessarily, and we're not we're not not aware that there is more to say, right? Mm, definitely, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. All right. So I mean, what I thought it. we would do is just sort of map out their end time chronology. Mm-hmm. So you know, they believe in a silent rapture where the trumpet's more like a dog whistle, which only the saints hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from that point onward. Um, I'm leaning very heavily here on Sam Storms from his book, Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. Excellent book Great on Amol. Book. Wow. So um, but yeah, so he came, he came from a dispensational background. And mm-hmm. so he just sort of lays it out. And I thought, you know, it would be helpful for, for those who are thinking through end times or are interested in end times just to hear the way in which the events are mapped out from a dispensational point of view. Mm. And maybe just hearing it, you might just sense how crazy it really is. Totally. So, 
So let me map it out in a, in a couple of points. So right. firstly, Jesus will appear in the heavens and catch up all the currently alive Christians. So this is your left behind uh, mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. your your rapture stuff. Okay. Yeah. All believers who previously died will also be resurrected. Mm-hmm. This event is imminent and can happen at any moment with no other event needing to happen first. Right. Okay. So this is your silent rapture. This is your imminent rapture. There doesn't need to be an antichrist yet. This can happen at any moment. This is your thief in the night stuff. Is it worth us contrasting? Some would teach that only those who are, is it worth us contrasting what we would think is really going to happen there, or do you think it's better just to list all this? Well, I think let's just list it all, feel all right. the impact, and then Get we the can end. maybe engage okay. it. Yeah, just 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 to just to just to put the impression out there. Right. So some would teach that only those who are waiting in patient expectation will be taken. So mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, um, like the ten virgins, some yeah. have oil in their lamps, some don't. Mm-hmm. If you're not waiting with this on your mind, mm-hmm. then you won't be raptured. Dang. And um, so. You'll be left behind, and you will now have to go through the tribulation. So this is the pre-tribulational rapture. Right. So God doesn't want His church to suffer through the tribulation, so He removes them before the tribulation begins, unless you're naughty as a Christian, and then you get to stay and suffer through the tribulation. But all is not lost. Okay. Another point. Yeah. But all is not lost. Secondly, after the rapture, there will be a period of seven years. And then this is where the book of Revelation begins to unlock and begins to start, you know, the judgments of the seals and the trumpets and the bowls play themselves out literally Mm -hmm. as they are revealed in the book of Revelation. Yeah. So this seven-year period is also known as the 70th week of Daniel 9, verse 24 to 27. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a big gap between week 69 and week 70. Mm -hmm. Thousands of years. And now, finally, after the rapture, Exactly, and now the prophetic clock gets starts ticking again, mm-hmm. and then during this period, a world leader, the Antichrist, will arise, initially establishing a covenant of peace with Israel, mm-hmm. but will break that covenant after three and a half years. So, what 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 this view is saying to you is, you don't actually need to worry about the Antichrist until the rapture happens. Right, exactly. The Antichrist yeah. will not come until the rapture happens first. <clears throat> so, as and much so, as you um, want to call, he will initiate a persecution of the Jews. As much yeah. as you would want to, uh, you know, think of Donald Trump in that way, it's not possible under the system. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so he establishes a covenant of peace with Israel, but after three and a half years, he'll break it. He will initiate a persecution of the Jews mm-hmm. uh, and against any who, who become believers during the tribulation. Mm-hmm. The mid-trib view sees the rapture only occurring at this three and a half year p- point. So if you're a mid-trib guy, you will have to experience the Antichrist breaking the covenant, and then just before things get really bad, that's when you get ripped out. Yeah. So that's mid-trip. Yeah. And then the judgments will be poured out. Right. Okay, but coming back to the ordinary view, thirdly, Mm -hmm. at the end of the tribulation, in conjunction with the Battle of Armageddon, Mm -hmm. so you've had the rapture, you've had the Antichrist, you've had the three-and-a-half-year tribulation beginning, coming Mm -hmm. to the end of the seven-year, now we have the Battle of Armageddon. Mm -hmm where the Antichrist and the enemies of the gospel come together and they're defeated. And the majority of the Jews who have survived through the tribulation will now convert to Christ. So yeah. Romans 11, verse 25 and 27 only that. gets fulfilled yeah. at the end of the tribulational period. Okay, right. so, okay. so it only comes, becomes relevant now. 
Yeah. So those who reject Christ will be put to death and not be allowed to enter the millennium. Hmm. So all non-Christians, sorry, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be allowed into the millennial kingdom. Mm-hmm. Christ will come to the earth, and this is the first coming. Mm-hmm. So you know the, the rapture wasn't the first, it wasn't the second coming of Christ. It was a, it was coming in the clouds. Right. Right. So this is the this is technically the second coming. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very much like that. Because he comes all the way it? to the ground. Man, you got that secret thing. Yeah, going so, on so you got two and a half coming so far. Yeah, totally. All right. Yeah, so this is the second and a half coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All and right. this is where the millennium begins. Okay. All right. So Christ comes to the earth, and now fourthly, all the Gentiles who survived the tribulation will be judged. So Matthew 25, the separation of the sheep and the goats. Mm-hmm. Now this is that judgment throne. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at the end of the seven-year tribulation, mm-hmm. the sheep will be left on the earth to inherit the millennium, and the goats will go into everlasting fire. <clears throat> the sheep, this is fifthly, the sheep, Gentiles who survived, and the Jews who convert after the tribulation will also go into the millennium in their present but unglorified bodies. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Is it feeling a little bit complicated now? Oh, it is. I need a graph. <laughs> I need a lichen. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I know you need almost. That's why they have so many pictures because it's so much to remember. Yeah, it's a great. So just to say that again, the Gentiles who survived and believed, and the Jews who converted in the tribulation will go into the millennium, but unglorified. So here are a bunch of bodies with unshining bodies. Yes. Yeah. Right. Then sixthly, when Christ comes to the earth to start the millennium, he will also raise from the dead. He will also raise from the dead in resurrection bodies the saints of the Old Testaments. So yes. Moses and Elijah now get a chance to be on the earth. And those believers who died during the tribulation, those saints who were beheaded, mm-hmm. they also get new bodies. Mm-hmm. So you got some shining bodies and you got some dull bodies. Mm-hmm. So Old Testament saints get shiny bodies. Martyrs get shiny bodies. But anyone who became a believer during the mm-hmm. tribulation just gets a normal body. And mm-hmm. the Jews also just have a normal body. Right. Okay. This is when the temple Eighthly, gets built, right? Christ will ascend the throne. <laughs> uh, so the, the temple would have had to have been built during the tribulation. Would it? Oh, yeah, true, of course. So yes. the, the man yes. of sin will have to set himself yes. up yes. so that when he breaks the covenant of peace with the Jews, he'll as he facilitates the covenant of peace, that probably involves the rebuilding of a temple. Yes. And then he'll the break thing. the covenant of peace by setting himself up as God in that temple. Of course, I forgot. That's the whole catalyst um, of the whole thing. Yeah, the, yeah. The trip. Yes. <laughs> Right. So you got your right. Ezekiel. We've left that way behind. We're right. in the millennium now. Okay. So, so eighthly, the next thing that needs to happen at the start of the millennium is Christ will ascend the throne in mm-hmm. Jerusalem, mm-hmm. ruling ruling over a predominantly Jewish kingdom in whose blessings the Gentiles will also share. And so now now, now we see the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant mm. and the and the uh all the promises of the old testament literally coming to pass. Yeah. So all those promises are waiting until now. Mm-hmm. To come to pass. Yeah, not in the church. So no. at the beginning of the millennium, yeah, <laughs> in the millennium, that's mm-hmm. right. So at the beginning of the millennium, there will be no unregenerate people. Right. There'll be some unglorified people who are regenerate, but there are going to be no unregenerate people. Yeah. And so this reign is seen to be the time when the Old Testament promises come to pass. Charles Ryrie writes this, the earthly purpose of, of the Israel of which the dispensationalists speak concerns the national promises which will be fulfilled by Jews during the millennium as they live on the earth in unresurrected bodies. The earthly future for Israel does not concern Israelites who die before the millennium is set up. 
So basically, you can just ignore Israel and the promises for Israel until the millennium begins. Yeah. Right. Because that's 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 when the the fulfillment of the promises begin to come to pass. Man, and you can get married in the millennium. All right. That's the ninthly, crazy part. Right. Well, this is this is this is, this is the ninth part. Okay. Ninthly, those who enter the millennium with unglorified bodies mm-hmm. will marry, have babies, live longer, but still die. Right. So you know, there's there's going to be a, a big rebellion at the end when Satan is loosed from the bottomless pit. Yes. Where do the unbelievers come from that he leads in rebellion against God's people? Right. It's from the babies of the unglorified but regenerate people, whose babies do not become believers but rise up to rebel. A polemic against infant baptism, <laughs> if I ever heard one. Okay. <laughs> so there'll be an economic. Uh, time of prosperity, there will be peace. Worship will be centered around a rebuilt temple, but with memorial offerings in remembrance of Christ. Yeah. So these are there are going to be blood offerings. There's going to be circumcision. There's going to be Saturday Sabbath. It's going to be all of the things of Ezekiel's temple going on. Although, although they're going to be have a memorial um, value. It's worth pointing out, right, that that's not what Ezekiel literally says, right? They're not memorial sacrifices. They're atoning sacrifices. You know. So if we're going to go with well, that that's what Ezekiel says. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I'm just saying, like, that's the Ezekiel temple that's supposed to be prophesied for this period. Exactly. Yeah, it's not literal. So, I mean, the, the tenth thing is all the Levitical laws of Ezekiel's temple will literally be employed. So, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, if that's the and, case, and that's, they're not memorial. We, well, they have, to, they have to make a distinction. And the, the dispensationalists are experts at distinctions. Right. You but, know, if there's, if there's also the great white throne and there's the throne of judgment. They're also experts at, at kind of... Um, at, at you know holding people to a literal kind of pedantic wooden literal uh you know interpretation so it's just kind of convenient when when they you yeah. know yeah. of course you can't have anything but a memorial sacrifice but my goodness it's just not what it's saying in ezekiel you know? <laughs> and if you keep if you take them to their logical conclusion it does collapse yeah. you're right yeah all right yeah. cool thanks for yeah, giving me 100%. that <laughs> All right, good. All right. All right. 11th. So Mm -hmm. we're at the 11th point. We've only got 15 points. We're at point 11. Okay. All resurrected saints will live in the New Jerusalem. So Old Testament saints, those raptured before the tribulation, and those put to death in the tribulation are the resurrected saints who live in the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. This new Jerusalem is that city that's described in the book of Revelation, which mm. will hang in the air yes, above the cube. earth, and it will yes. shed its light like a yeah, giant cube, and it will shed its light like a sun. Yes, because the no resurrected sun. ones will have a role in ruling there. Yeah. Well, I don't know if the millennium is probably still quite earthly. I don't think it's the new creations yet. Oh, okay, right. Okay, got it. So we've got the yeah. cube, though. So it's the like cube. a second, a second sun. you got like, like two suns. Floating two, cube. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is very good sci-fi trippy. Exactly. I mean, this is, it's great sci-fi. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> I can almost see it right now. Yeah. Twelfth. Yeah. The children of the believers in the millennium will live longer, but some will not be saved. Mm-hmm. They will be restrained by righteous rule and government, so there's some restraining grace going on there. But at the end of the millennium, Satan will be released in a final rebellion. This will be crushed, and Satan will then go to the lake of fire to join the Antichrist and the false prophet who were thrown in there when Christ came to the earth at his second coming at the beginning of the millennium. So the, mm. the Antichrist and the false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire at the beginning of the mm-hmm. millennium, mm-hmm. and Satan gets thrown into the lake of fire at the end of the millennium. Right, right, right. 
guess, a thousand years in between yes. uh, when they get judged. Thirteenth, mm-hmm. two more resurrections occur. Oh. So we've had a few resurrections. Here are, here are two more. Okay. <laughs> All the unbelievers of every age mm-hmm. and the believers who died during the millennium. So some people were regenerate who lived long but still died. Right. So when do they get resurrected? Well, they'll only be right at the end of the millennium. Oh, boy. This is like the so infancy gospel of Thomas, bro. <laughs> okay, 14th. Yeah. The, the consummation will come with the judgment by the great white throne. All unbelievers will appear to be judged according to works. And then finally, 15th, God will then create the new heavens and the new earth. Whew. Okay. There you go. Oh, what happens Simple. if what happens if a glorified bi- a glorified body marries an unglorified body during the millennium, and they have oh, well, a baby? Well, the glorified bodies like the angels; they can't they can't make babies. Uh, of course. Okay, so it's just the only so weird thing. Possibly is, they could marry if they're both believers, but right? They couldn't make babies. So it's just the only weird thing is that you know you just got you're just living with glorified people all around. And your kids are probably going to be part of the rebellion. So it's it's not that nice to live in this place. You know, yeah. I mean, it's good that the, 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 you know, the Antichrist and the false prophet and everything are gone. But it's kind of a strange, strange. You've been bound to the law again, you know, in terms of temple sacrifices. Your kids are probably going to go crazy rebellion on you. And yeah. it just kind of sucks that you haven't got a glorified <clears throat> body you know, the whole way through. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's it. Uh, I think it needs work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, Occam's razor, man. Dude. It is not the simple solution. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's true. I remember when I first got into, you know, because this, again, coming back to our previous thing, I mean, this was for some reason the staple of the charismatic church. You know, they just loved it because it ended up being all sorts of crazy sci-fi and they just, you know, they yeah. could work with it. And um, and so just without even knowing it, I ended up sort of imbibing a lot of this stuff. But I remember the first time I got onto, um, you know, amillennialism, just sort of bracing myself, you know, for, here we go, let's get the locking out, what's going on with this for you? And it's like yeah. the most simple, it's like there's one error. There's one error. Yeah. And that comes just after the cross, and that's the end, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, well, okay, what? That's it. It's it, there is um there is a simplicity and a beauty there. I gotta say. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, totally. Well, um, there we go. More we could say about the system of dispensationalism and um and how it it actually leads to this because I think one of the things you have to ask is, um, you know how on earth any sane person would read the Bible in this way, you know, and get to this point, like what would actually, what would need to go wrong to, to get this to happen? And they've actually, there's a hermeneutic driving it, which, you know, helps yeah. at least to understand why it is that it's going this way, because really what they're doing, they're bound by a certain interpretation, starting yeah. with Genesis, sort of like oozing it out till yeah. the end of Revelation. And then you've really got no other choice. You have to fit these things somewhere. So, so you've got to come out. Yeah. Two hermeneutical rules they follow. It's the Israel church distinction and the literal where possible. Yes. And going from Genesis to Revelation, not looking at the old through the new, you know, so they're, they're wanting to interpret the new through the old. Um, and they're quite explicit about that. And that's obviously a big upside down hermeneutic. If you think about what the apostles were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But Hey, that's a, that's a, 
that, that's an episode for another day. Um, there we go. Uh, Nick, thanks for winsomely portraying um, <laughs> classic dispensationalism to us and all its eschatological glory. Yeah. What, just say, we don't have a whiteboard and we can chart it out. Oh, totally. What is the tongue What's twister that? again? The tongue twister? Uh, you mean uh, pre-tribulational dispensational premillennialism? <laughs> okay, one more time. Or were you talking about thinking combo doso rumbo Erico Bushman pump pump? <laughs> I think I think that that little that other one has trained you to say the dispensational one. It's like your tongue is a pre-tribulational. Pre-tribulational pre-tribulational dispensational. I see. I'm already lost. So, Wait, coach me, coach me through it slowly. What pre-tribulational? Pre-tribulational. Yeah. Dispensational. Yeah. Pre-millennialism. Pre-tribulational. Dispensational. Pre-millennialism. Pre-millennialism. <laughs> All right. Good. There we go. That's your Saturday. Now, don't go to church that preaches that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Look, dispensational brothers, if they stick to that parenthetical age and they're talking about, um, I don't know, Jesus dying for the, 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 the parenthetical church, I mean, I suppose you have a shot at you in the gospel there, and that's good, and that's awesome. Um, so I go to a church, even if it's dispensational. There, I said it. But um, otherwise, you know, <laughs> catch up with you guys on Monday, and uh, mm. be blessed.